it's like the first one. It just it really uh, puts a lot of pressure on. Okay, I'm gonna have a sip of wine and we're good. You don't have a bottle of wine. <laughs> Listening to Charge Podcast, the first ever episode. I'm your host, Owen Williams, and joining me today is John Edgar. How are you doing, John? Hey, Owen. I'm good. Coming to you from rainy San Francisco today at the Kenai office. Hey, I'm I'm pretty jealous because it's uh, rainy and cold here, so you can't complain. Hey, uh, so this is the first episode of Charge Podcast. We're pretty excited about working on this. We've done a couple of recordings already, uh, and we're here today to finally launch this thing. We have a jingle and everything, so it's super official. Each week, we're going to talk about, I guess, the latest thing in tech, uh, what's good. We're going to break it down, kind of like the newsletter that you might be familiar with, but in audio, so you can listen to it in the car, on the train, whatever, Uh, and we'll just talk about what we think is interesting. So... Uh, we're also going to do a little there's going to be two different parts to it so we're going to talk about what's cool in tech this week and then a guest segment so john tell us about i guess the plan with that so we're gonna do a guest segment once a week for five minutes we'll have someone who we think is cool call in and tell us in five minutes something interesting that they learned this week um so next week and therefore we'll be learning the thing next week uh, (laughs) is going to be Ryan Walsh, who was the uh, VP of product for uh, music at Apple um, until recently, and now has joined Floodgate Ventures as a GP. So he's going to be joining us. Yeah, pretty cool. That is a cool person. He'll be joining us next week. Yeah, he's so cool. He also worked at Beats and has done all sorts of interesting things. So I'm pretty sure that he, in five minutes, will teach us something pretty dope next week. Oh, I'm excited. Maybe he can give us like the best tip for Apple Music. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that would be cool. So that'll be next week. Uh, so this week's pretty crazy in the in the tech world. There's a few interesting things going on. I guess the first or most exciting for me, and I know it's probably like a little bit weird, but uh, Slack launched audio calling, which is crazy i i i've kind of been waiting for this for a very long time and they've finally bought it out it's all you have to do is you click one thing and you're on a video call with your whole channel and your direct message wherever you click it you're just on it there's no plugins there's no messing around with hangouts or any of that stuff that like literally drives every business crazy uh and it just works I, I, it looks like it uses Web WebRTC, which is amazing in itself because there's not that many implementations of that out there right now. Uh, and John and I had to play with it this week, and it's it's pretty slick, I have to say. We just clicked and we were calling. Um, I think it's going to change calling. I don't know. What do you think, John? We're using Hangouts right now, ironically. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think if you consider Slack, I think we discussed last week or the week before, um, Slack kind of just being that ubiquitous communication platform for your for your business or even you know maybe for your life because i know a lot of my friends use slack kind of personally either in their condos or with their um friends or girlfriends or boyfriends or whatever i do that yeah so i don't know i think it's just them furthering their um furthering their reach up the business stack i guess or down the business stack i guess down the business stack um and it's i don't know it's great i think yeah, it's awesome. I I loved it. It was super easy. I think we're gonna. See, I hope we see lots of WebRTC uh, startups come out this year because it's great technology, and I think it's finally getting the um, 
kind of support that it needs to in terms of implementation on the front end so uh, awesome i think they're smart they're it sounds like they're raising another round right now too according to the yeah the rumor mill so i don't know i mean we've we've always said that we both bet on slack and stewart pretty hard so i think you know this is going to be this is going to be the probably the most cool success story i think it's not even it's not even getting rid of email or whatever their original thing was at this point it's like they're going to beat microsoft they're going to eat everything that microsoft yeah. does alive at this point like yeah they're the new microsoft yeah it's cool i love everything it. they release i mean this calls thing is really interesting because it's it is literally what skype is i mean it doesn't have video yet but there's no friction. It just keeps you in the core tool. And Microsoft had tried to do this over the years, right? So they have Yammer, they have Link or whatever, and then it got turned into Skype. And they never quite pulled it off without the friction that I would say this has, right? Like you go on Slack, you push call, you're in the call. It doesn't matter. Like there's no, the fact that there's no plugins or opening another app or any weird shit that you usually get with, I'm sure everybody listening to this has had one, horrible conference call where no one person couldn't get into the app or like it's just awful so if they can fix that alone it's a huge yeah, selling point right like just the one tool to rule them all um they need video yeah I, you know one thing that i think is always going to be true to slack and this is is what to my mind is going to be their their differentiator and what makes them win is that stewart has taste and he mm. he's unequivocal or seemingly unequivocal on you know making sure that the product is elegant and low friction and works yeah. you know as you would expect and there's it's you feel like a hero every time you use slack and i think that's how they want us to feel uh, if you can bring that to enterprise and you can really start to change the way that people work in the enterprise um, and I'm sure that they're already seeing that they are doing that. They they are they're gonna crush it. Like uh, if I'm sure that basically people are trying to throw money at them all the time. I don't like I who knows what like just we should just stop being surprised that Slack is amazing because it's just gonna get amazing more and more amazing and do amazing things. Yeah, I mean with two million daily active users, which doesn't sound like a lot when you compare it to the corporate world, but daily active users and enterprises pretty crazy right like everybody's checking slack every day so it's it's a it'll be a fundamental shift and i think the interesting thing about slack and the companies i've worked for is uh slack tends to come from the bottom up like people ask for slack people pick a place because they it's a way of working now uh, and so it's kind of interesting to see that trend going on as well they have that whole uh, like slack at work job board and all those kind of things so yeah, i think that that's the joy of the new knowledge economy and the new yeah um you know the developer tool mindset for i think that we see in startup and more and more seeing in enterprise and that is you know you, you don't you don't necessarily dictate the tools that come to work anymore. I think that was something that I always loved about DigitalOcean was this B to C to B concept of really coming up market. And I think um, Clayton Christensen recently talked about disruptive technologies. Slack is a disruptive technology. It's coming in through a you know low market B to C segment, and now it's going to work its way up. It's going to completely. I really do think that they have the potential to just completely disrupt microsoft just like and i disrupt is like a term that we throw around a lot but they're they're 
they're doing real things and and I can't say that of very many companies so you know I, I have to say there's one thing I'm scared of with Slack and I don't think this will happen but I'm sure Microsoft is making constant runs at them right now like please let us buy you <laughs> uh, there's no reason they wouldn't right like it's it's appealing for them yeah I just think you know Stuart will be a great public market CEO I don't doubt that for a second and I think we need more people like Stuart in the public market look at the public market it's a mess um, and you know I, I a lot of investors I think will say try and keep the company as uh, private as long as you can and and if you know you can see cash positive then you know just make it profitable and own it and just whatever but uh, I think Slack has such ubiquity, just like everyone can understand it. Everyone can understand Slack. And as a result, makes for a good public market company. I would, I would buy Slack. I would encourage my friends to buy Slack. I would you know, encourage my family to buy Slack. And I could explain to them what they were buying if they were buying Slack stock. So, so you're, you're long on Slack. Oh, God. Yeah. Like hours <laughs> and days long. I, if I ever read about them in acquisition talks, I'll be so sad. <laughs> I'm worried about it too, man. Hey, uh, so there's something worse that we need to talk about this week, uh, less exciting than the, the Slack calling feature. Uh, can you tell us about what happened with OpenSSL? It's horrible. Well, yeah, so um, I actually didn't really get too much into the nuts and bolts of the actual um, technicality of the new vulnerability. I don't know if you looked at that, but I, I guess I wanted to speak a little more, or we should maybe speak a little bit more generally to kind of what's going on generally with open ssl but i think in you know that that's actually a conversation of a bigger picture um issue and that's what's going on with open source and what's going on with you know all of these underlying technologies that we've built so many software products on top of um so I my understanding is that we're only seeing the beginning of of what is going to be a torrent of open SSL vulnerabilities and that it already feels uh, like it. Yeah. <laughs> and that it's going to get worse and pick up in speed. And I just think that generally this is a an important conversation that should be had a little more widely than it does within the tech circles, um, the kind of super techie circles, because um, it. It kind of occurred to me recently in conversations with a friend of mine who just, you know, who works in marketing and isn't particularly technical, but kind of will read about these stories in the BBC or or CBC or CNN or whatever. You know, another computer vulnerability, heart, <laughs> heart bleeding, internet locks are not able to process <laughs> passwords, you know, like crazy things. And, yeah. you know, they were like, well, what? what is all this stuff and who runs it all and like what companies and like who runs the open SSL company and why are we not suing them and stuff like that. And to, to explain all of that is, is I just kind of in that I realized that we don't do a good job of explaining what's going on generally to the general public and that open source is mm, probably in need of like some, pushing forward in in the in the general kind of public conversation sphere i don't think that 
we get politicians don't talk about it. We don't talk about it in schools. Kids don't learn about it. And these are important things because your whole life, life now is, is stored in these apps that use these open source projects and open source tools. Um, and yet we don't have good wide conversations about them. So I guess that was, I think more that I feel like this is going to be a reoccurring theme throughout the podcast that we're going to see more of it and we're going to talk about it. And so, I don't know, I think I, I thought I wanted to bring it up a little bit. Yeah. It's, I think it's really interesting. Like the, the one this week drown, it was called, they all have these like fancy marketing names where at that point where they have to actually call them something ridiculous to get people's attention i i guess it makes sense because you're not going to remember cve like 102293 but um, it's it's like this one is just crazy it's just servers that had uh http uh https v2 turned on still which is something from like the 90s oh sorry it was ssl v2 uh which a lot of a lot of server packages actually enable by default and don't tell you uh which is bad in itself. So an, an example of how bad this is, is all of Yahoo's domains had H, uh, SSL v2 turned on. So they were vulnerable to this attack, which would divulge everything sent over SSL. So it's... Was it a man in, yeah, the, middle it was man in the middle again? Uh, <laughs> so it, mm, it's a bad one. And it, it was like 33% of websites, which isn't a huge number, but it also is a huge number. Like it's, it's still over a quarter of websites. So it's concerning. Um, I think there's a lot of like these underlying problems in the tech stack that nobody talks about. Like, oh, we'll just use that open open source package because it's it's fairly well maintained, uh, and nobody really questions. Like, yeah, there's actually I think we're gonna start hearing a lot about um, a woman by the name of Nadia uh, Egg. I think I'm saying your last name right, Nadia. Sorry if you're listening to this. Um, and she has just left a VC firm um, to start a kind of, I think it's, I'm not sure what she's calling it, but like an open source foundation type thing um, where she's basically, you know, explaining to VCs and governments that all of their startups and all of their infrastructures on all of this stuff and that it needs more and more continued and structured support. Um, and so I, I'm curious to see where she goes with that. There's some, uh, there's some great, uh, literature that she's written on, um, medium about this. Uh, so yeah, I think it's going to be interesting. I think I just hope the conversation starts to happen a little wider. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And a lot of people aren't aware of like how much of this open source tech actually runs a lot of the web, right? They don't, <laughs> yeah. Until you start getting into the depths of it, you're like, wow, open source is in everything, it turns out. Uh, so I, I agree with that, definitely. Um, so another interesting thing that happened this week was a uh, big development in the Apple versus the FBI case, but not the one that probably everybody is thinking about. So uh, something happened in New York. I don't know if you kept up with it, John. Yeah. Um, so there was a similar um, a similar case that had been brought to a New York court um, and that was also using the All Writs Act uh, to try and compel um, Apple to write this decryption key or, or, you know, whatever it is that they're asking them to to write. They wanted to unlock another iPhone. Yeah. Um, And so that New York judge ruled that the court cannot force uh, and the FBI cannot force Apple to unlock iPhones. 
Um, wow. Which is interesting because it sets some uh, precedent for moving forward uh, with, I think this is going to Congress now, actually. I think it's been referred to Congress, so it will see a congressional hearing. Um, and I think that's good. I think we're finally getting you know, a really good, wide conversation, a well educated conversation about this uh it's nice to see that you know random federal magistrates are not just kind of um siding with the fbi because they don't even i think a lot of it is they don't really understand some of the technical implementation right. implement implications of what they're asking for <laughs> i i don't know i think this is really good i think that the it's it's great that this judge has done this i think it's it's going to be a really um, heavily weighed thing moving forward. I think I think it puts credence to Apple's case. Right. Do you think it will affect the San Bernardino? The San Bernardino. Yeah, I can never say it, man. <laughs> the San okay. Bernardino case. That's it. Uh, do you think Do you think it'll have a bearing on that? Like, uh, you know, they're trying to force Apple to unlock the other iPhone right now. It's kind of coincidental timing that another judge has said, "No, you can't do that." Do you think Do you think it'll have a material impact on how that moves forward? Well, I think that that um, San Bernardino case has. You say it so much better than I do. <laughs> I've been listening to it on the TV here every day for like <laughs> um, months, but. Um, I'd imagine, I'm pretty sure, if I recall correctly, that that judge has referred it to Congress. So it's very weird because basically the White House has not has not passed this legislation kind of purposefully in the past, and now the courts are being asked to do it. And so the, it's everything's in a very strange kind of place. So I think that it makes the most sense that this is going to go to Congress and that they're going to have a conversation about it. I. I don't know what like the what that looks like or what the format looks like, and I don't know if Congress is necessarily um, obliged. Like, if they can, I don't know what their powers are. I guess, um, but I I think that Apple's um, uh, defense of it being unconstitutional uh, under freedom of speech or or forced speech, actually specifically, uh, was like, if they manage to pull that off, that's a very well-played legal argument. And it makes a lot of sense. Code has been um, ruled in the past and there's huge amounts of precedent set on code being um, being tantamount to speech. So uh, it seems, seems good on Apple's front. I think that this is, it looks good. Yeah, I mean, I saw uh, snippets of the their argument this week circulating in a PDF that they had submitted to the court, and it looked like they have a pretty compelling case uh, at the moment. I'm sure we're going to hear a lot more about that in the coming weeks, and so we'll, we'll probably keep talking about it whenever we hear something new. So you were telling me before about this Amazon dot thing, and I have no, literally, you are the first person to even oh, man. say the words to it's me, crazy. so I'm curious so to know what it is. I'm, I'm pretty excited about this. Like, I thought Amazon Echo was kind of like a poor man's Sonos, but with a voice speaking capability, and you could like talk to it, and it's like, that's pretty fancy. But so Amazon dot is this new, it's like a tiny version of Amazon's echo speaker. So for those that don't know what Amazon echo is, it's kind of like the original version was just a speaker you put in your house and you could, it was fairly basic, right? Like you put it in your kitchen, you could be like, Hey Alexa, send me a timer for like 10 minutes from now. And it would do it. And it was pretty seamless how well it worked. Uh, you could. I love yeah. it. I love it. I think it's amazing, personally. And you can ask it some crazy yeah, questions. Yeah, and she'll she'll come back with every answer that you 
you know you could imagine it's better than siri in a lot of what well every way i think um and so they they announced two new versions today so they have the amazon dot which is like a small version if you can imagine a hockey puck uh that just attaches to your existing speakers and now that's that's a far more interesting proposition to me uh you know i already have sonos i might already have a hi-fi system uh, i really liked alexa but uh, the speaker was kind of shit before uh, so now you can buy this thing and you can plug it into your Sono system or you can plug it into your hi-fi and you can say, Hey Alexa, and it will just go through your hi-fi system. So it is super cool, man. Like I, I, so here's my frustration with this is Amazon is still not available in the Netherlands. Um, so we're in the stone age here, but, uh, I, I tried Alexa when I was in San Francisco last and I, I thought it was really cool. And so the thing that I like the most about the dot and like the whole Alexa thing is it really looks like they're making a play for the smart home, right? So like they announced today that it works with Nest, it works with a bunch of other home stuff. And that is already far more compelling than HomeKit, right? So, because you can just say, hey, Alexa, turn up the thermostat. I love that. Yeah, I'm I'm continually impressed by Amazon's innovation. I think one of the things that people really always for or at least i always forget about amazon is they're a technology company like they are a proper proper technology company yeah they may have been like a relatively crappy php app that was a bookstore like in the 90s but they are a hardcore technology company and you look at what's come out of amazon i mean jeff bezos mind is brilliant that guy is on point AWS isn't really a great product. Uh, I think Amazon is innovating in interesting ways. Like I'm, as long as I am on Slack, I am as that long on Amazon also. Wow, really? I didn't, I didn't think that you would be. It's really interesting. Uh, so is it just because they're building actually interesting tech products or is there more to it than that? Uh, I think one side of it is AWS. And I think that they have the ability they are basically software defined enterprise like they they will do everything that slack will do um but probably not be able to do the abstracted like uh client side stuff that would actually be a great partnership that would be a great acquisition slack and aws would be oh man wild that then google's (laughs) like better run (laughs) um and because GCP is not nearly uh, nearly half as good as AWS is, like Google Compute and Google Cloud, it's it's fine, but it's like Lambda is amazing. Amazon's just a great company. And then also the way that they're tackling the home, like basically, I don't think that they necessarily. I think Amazon is primarily a, co- a platform company, and I don't know that Amazon necessarily wants to own the home so much as show companies like Kanye Nast and um, CVS, hey, if you build your technology stack on top of AWS, you can also have integration with IoT Cloud and IoT Cloud will automatically be in this home device that you make and like look at all this uh, functionality that we can give you through our cloud services to your IoT devices like, um, you know, big data analytics or or like ai backend and stuff like that so i think that's probably their end play um more so that they want to actually build the stuff themselves so much as they just want to be the platform that allows allows modern enterprise right that allows you to to 
deploy and be in a cloud environment, have all of your insights on RDS and all your immutable infrastructure on EC2, because ultimately these these other um, enterprise companies are going to have to innovate too in order to stay relevant into the future. And innovation for them looks like building software and, and hardware and building technology. And that's why we see them all scrambling to learn how to do that. That's why IDEO and Cooper and shops like that exist. Um, so I don't know. I think I think Amazon, if they can pull off a, a basically an end-to-end solution platform for enterprise of being able to provide extensible services into the home that you can build your hardware products on top of and also have your software on their back-end platform and then do all of your um, analytics and metrics and business insights, that's basically the most powerful company in the world. So that's really interesting that you say that because last week uh, I was at Mobile World Congress in um, Barcelona. By the way, the weather there was amazing. Uh, (laughs) Spain is a lovely place. Uh, but they had like uh, this is ridiculous. But they had the Samsung smart fridge there, that one that has like a twenty-two inch screen on it, which is the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. But uh, one thing that the guy mentioned caught my ear, and he said, "Oh yeah, 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 it's running Android, blah blah blah." And then he said, "Oh yeah, but we integrated Amazon Echo in this, so we've got dual microphones in this fridge, and you can just say, hey Alexa, order me some milk, and it will do it." And I thought, wow. That's actually pretty cool because they're basically licensing it out so that other vendors can build it in, right? So, I don't know, yeah. maybe... maybe and the- then when they go, this is the thing, everyone thinks it's really weird that they're opening physical locations again, yeah. but if they're huh. truly becoming a pla- an end-to-end platform for, you know, the modern, an modern insular, kind of more insular economy, more insular supply chain, more web to end, more to web to consumer supply chain. It, and they actually, I, I really think they're very serious about their drone delivery program. And I think that, I mean, it's something that we look at in our company as to how to facilitate that for companies like them. And I, I take it very seriously on our roadmap. So I don't think, I think it's a real thing. And I think if you want to do that kind of um, last mile delivery, it's great. And you need dist- last mile distribution. And so having some physical locations makes sense for that. I think, and then you can, s- other people can sell their products through that, those locations too. And, you know, all of a sudden, I mean, they're just, there's so much that they can do because they have, look, they have AWS freight now too. Like yeah, you can that's do crazy. your freight, like they really are building the basis for modern new knowledge economy enterprise and it's fascinating to watch them do it i'd like i'd kill for an hour with jeff bezos because i think that guy's head must just be full of brilliance it's really what it's if it if it is the way that i think like i think it's really well thought out the way that everything's coming together it's good yeah it's interesting to see them kind of uh slowly i guess diversifying like it feels like it's all of a sudden now but it's kind of been quite gradual. There was AWS and they expanded that into like basically every area. You've got Echo, you've got, I mean, Fire Phone is even, they're still working on that quietly in the background. There's a, there's a lot of interesting stuff that they're doing that people don't even realize they're doing. Even like the freight thing is just kind of phenomenal to think about, right? Well, wasn't, um, wasn't Amazon also the largest purchaser of films at Sundance uh, this year? Yes, that's right. I think that's right. It was either them or Netflix. We should check. Because uh, like, <laughs> people like HBO shouldn't be trying to do this themselves. Like They should be using full Amazon services and Amazon should be the, the technology. Like Amazon, that's what I'm like. Amazon's a technology company. You should build your stuff on top of Amazon's technology period like they're go to amazon and tell them what you need and they'll build it they have a great platform 
it's the best platform. Yeah, it says uh, it says Amazon uh, and Netflix were pretty close in buying the most films up this year. So that's that's really interesting because they're very aggressive in that area as well with the Prime Video. Well, that would be a great well, M and A. So. Like that would be a great merger. Would be um, like if if any if they could do anything, it would be. Uh, Netflix and Slack to Amazon, and then oh, that's it. <laughs> like, that's it. I mean, it's it makes sense. They're all basically using AWS. Yeah. It would be like an Equihire. <laughs> I mean, basically. and then that's it. Like that's that's like pretty near game over. Yeah, they they would be the new Microsoft with those two. Uh, hopefully, we're not giving them too many ideas here. Um, Hey, I think that's all we have time for. But I just wanted to say next week. Next week's going to be quite interesting because I think that uh, we'll also hear about a new Apple event in between now and then. So uh, this month is new iPhone month, apparently. So that'll be quite interesting as well. A new five-inch iPhone, so everybody can stop complaining that iPhones are too big. That'll be nice. Maybe we maybe we can quiz uh, Ryan on it next oh, week. Oh, that's <laughs> perfect! Yeah, well played. I hope all so. Right, Owen, good to talk to you, buddy. All right. Yeah, you too. Look forward to next week. See you next week.